Welcome to your upfront moment. We're building a confidence revolution. Hi friends, I'm Lauren Curry, the founder of Upfront. We're an organisation on a mission to change confidence for 1 million women and non-binary people by 2023. And we do this in three ways. We transform your relationship and habits around confidence, power and visibility through our six-week online course. Each cohort is called a bond. Bond is the collective noun for a group of women and over a thousand women have graduated from a bond from over 20 different countries. We build community, real, genuine, human community, where women learn how to stand up for themselves and each other. We hold each other to account. We celebrate each other and learn together. Our community is Global Bond. We create content that will inspire, challenge and motivate you to be upfront. We are here to change confidence, not women. Upfront Moment is designed to kick your week off with confidence, self-compassion and agency. Hi friend, welcome to this week's Upfront Moment. It is Monday the 13th of February. Tomorrow is Valentine's Day and Wednesday is Singles Awareness Day. What better time for you to meet Francesca Spector, author of Alonement, How to Be Alone and Absolutely Own It, a Times Book of the Year 2021. Francesca is also the host of the Alonement podcast. And in this upfront moment, we dig into themes around embracing being alone, whatever your age, life stage or relationship status. Do you struggle to enjoy Alone time, it's something that I'm learning to embrace. It's hard. Or do you love taking yourself off for alone time, but struggle to justify it to your partner or your family or your friends? Does your fear of time alone drive you to unhealthy levels of busyness? Or are you desperate to just find five minutes for yourself? Maybe the idea of needing space from someone feels alien to you. Or else do you struggle to maintain your independence in your relationships? Do you want to celebrate and benefit from your alone time, however much or little of it you get? Francesca Spector is the woman for you. Let's go. Hi, Francesca. Welcome to the Upfront Moment. How are you today? I'm doing great, thank you. And thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, I am excited to get you all to myself and find out more about this whole new narrative you're building around women being alone. I'm fascinated. And the reason that I invited you to be part of Upfront Moment is I know this is a big theme in our community and it's a big theme for our listeners. So I'd love for you to tell us your story. Like, who are you? 
what do you care about? What what mission are you on? Yeah, to sort of give a potted history of the concept. So I'm by background a lifestyle journalist. I trained in magazine journalism, moved into digital. And I was always really interested just, you know, in issues surrounding sort of women, um, you know, gender, just, you know, the, the amazing shift we're having really, even like as a, you know, as a generation, um, it's, you know, in what women can do, the freedoms that we can have, all of this. And, you know, in my day-to-day job, uh, I was writing for a lot of women's magazines, exploring these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the side, I was blogging and about three years ago, I was going through a very interesting to me personal journey where I have always identified as a as an extrovert. Uh, I still do, in fact. And I have always really appreciated being around people. Um, I'm very good at going alone to a party and sort of make, making friends quite early on. Um, and that was something that I was very socially applauded for. Mm-hmm. And it came to my attention three years ago when I'd gone through a recent breakup. I was living by myself for the first time in my life. Uh, and I was going through all sorts of changes um, and also sort of slightly out of step with my peers who at that point were getting engaged, settling down, some mm-hmm. were starting to have children. I was out of step socially with them. Um, and whilst all close, I realised I found myself spending a lot more time alone. And I did not like it. And mm-hmm. I realised... As I was going through, my usual coping mechanisms, which would have been going out, uh, going on lots of dates, going to parties. My, my original breakup started, um, it was in November, so just before the Christmas party season. Mm-hmm. I could do all of that, and yet I would come back to myself and think, oh, like, why has no one ever told me it's source of a problem to not really be able to sit in with my own thoughts in this, in this new lovely mm-hmm. flat that I'm living in alone um, that, you know, really, really should be my sort of, Carrie Bradshaw moment, but suddenly it didn't seem yeah. that way for me. So I started uh, blogging about it, uh, and then I started talking about it. And the more I saw, you know, it, it got almost almost a year into my own personal journey. At which point I thought, mm. I've really worked on this, and I'm, you know, I've gone from just being able to sit in and do some journaling and do some meditating by myself. I've gone from that, I've sort of graduated up to doing things like going for brunch alone, taking myself off to romantic trips to Paris. I need to be talking about this. Mm. I need to be getting this out mm-hmm. to a wider audience because I'm not the only extrovert, and you know, very likely I'm not the only woman who's felt this way and struggled with this um, and so that's when I started doing my podcast um, which came out March 2020 which as we'll know retrospectively ended up being quite interesting timing um, yeah. and off the back of that I later got a book deal uh, to write my book Alonement How to Be Alone and Absolutely Own It which was really wonderful mm-hmm. so I could reflect on all the lessons that I learned so yeah that's in a nutshell that's really how it all came about and the, the idea wasn't it never really has been, you know, just for women. It, it's a universal concept, and I think it's it's best to be spoken about as a universal mm-hmm. thing. We should all be seeking, in our own ways, in our own forms, in our lives. But I think, you know, what I spoke about earlier, how it's an interesting time generationally for women. It's becoming a lot more topical, uh, you know, from a hundred years ago when we couldn't go out on the street alone to now. Yeah, and I, I think you know it shows up very differently for women, and you know being out on the street is is a is a great example like feeling feeling safe to go for a run alone is is something that I've been talking about with my 
friends recently because since moving to Sweden, I've kind of had a bit of an epiphany that I'm exercising more than I ever have done before. And a huge part of that is because I feel safe here to be outside and to be far away from my home by myself in a way that, you know, I didn't, I've never felt in the, in the UK before. And, you know, I think the narratives and trends around coupling, around monogamy, around caring and having children, you know, is, it all feels like there are shifts happening in a really, you know, in a positive way. There, we need things to change because, of course, the status quo is not, is not serving women very well at all. But it's amazing to hear the backstory. You know, you've done incredible things with, you had this experience and now you've written a book, you host your podcast, you're building a movement. Like, I'm curious to know what your confidence journey on that has been because it takes, that takes courage, it takes bravery, it, it takes confidence to to put yourself out into the world in that way. So has there been a moment, is there a moment that you could share with us? I think... It's funny with confidence because movie montages would lead you to think that it happens, you know, it happens overnight, you suddenly, or, you know, in a very, very short space of time that this all comes to you. You have an epiphany one day and you think, oh, I'm, I'm gorgeous, I'm fascinating, I'm this and that. That doesn't happen. You know, there are days where I'm sure Beyonce wakes up some days and thinks, you know, what's, what's wrong with me? That's just being a human. That's the human experience. you know, okay, it, it gets easier as you get older or you get more experience in this or that because you know that you've had those days before and you've got past them. But it definitely, you know, it wasn't an overnight thing. And I think that, you know, even when, even at the beginning when, you know, when I launched the podcast, it actually happened in this sort of strange way around for me because I was about to sign my book deal just before the podcast actually came out. So I sort of, I had had that big confidence boost, that sort of proof of, of concept just to having been offered that yet. I was sitting, at, you know, in my parents' house where I'd sort of stolen away to, to just sit and edit like a little hermit in the dark. And I was just <laughs> like, what the hell am I doing? You know, I can't edit a podcast. I can't do this. I can't do that. Mm. And, you know, there have been highs and lows. I think that there have been moments, you know, definitely where it seemed great. You know, my, I was lucky enough, my book was named one of the Times books of the year, uh, last year, 2021, just before Christmas. Congratulations. Thank you. It happened sort of this time last year. That was amazing. You know, I absolutely, you know, I started crying when I found that out. It was really wonderful news. And those highs are amazing. And you've got to really grasp onto them because they last, what, half an afternoon until you digest them. Um, So, you know, those things happen that you can point to. But I think, um, yeah, you sort of never know when it's going to come. Uh, and when those moments are going to come and you've got to sort of have a more more deep, quiet confidence in yourself, which I think I've always sort of had just by virtue of, of caring about this concept so much, I guess. But, you know, it, it is something that it's something that you build over time. Um, I think there's a James, James Clear in Atomic Habits. He says that, you know, every uh, every action that you do is a vote for the person that you want to be. And I think that, you know, I build my confidence by knowing that I've done these things. I've sort of, I've laid too much down really to, uh, to go back. And, and that's all I can really yeah. do, sort of lay a path, you know, gain that confidence by doing. 100%. I agree with all that wholeheartedly. And I, I think the notion of caring about the cause, the mission, the purpose, even if it's just one millimeter more than your fear is is all you need to keep committing to taking the next step and it's through those steps that your confidence 
builds and grows you know I think many people make the mistake of thinking confidence is like a destination it's a point at where you arrive and I always like to think of it as something that ebbs and flows and it's about knowing where you're at and having the strategies and tools to be able to shift if you need to that day you know if you've got to go and pitch your book or you have to give a presentation you know the things you can do to nourish your own confidence in a way that feels good and strong for you some of the themes I've been noticing in our our community kind of linked to your work which we kind of touched on earlier I think more and more women are choosing to live alone are choosing not to have children and being quite public and vocal and honest about that choice choosing to travel alone so I went on my very first trip which I think we connected over this on Twitter which is how I I found you Um, in spring this year I went on a trip to Barcelona on my own and I travel a lot with my work I always have done I'm really lucky that I've been to lots of amazing places but it's always been for work and I've never been anywhere without a work purpose on my own. And it was such a kind of learning moment, if you like. And I was so quite fascinated by how people responded and how my community responded to be like, wow, just watching you do this is making me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> it's making me realise that, you know, the thought of just going away for a few days to have fun when I have when I have children, I think especially if you have children is feels quite radical so I would love to hear your take on like why you think these trends are emerging and like what do you wish the world was talking about like what do you think is missing around the narrative the new narratives that are emerging on women choosing to relish time on their own yeah I think and again you know this didn't I didn't set out to make this a issue that referred to women specifically but you know by by virtue of I guess the content a lot of it has you know been picked up by by women you know that that is the key demographic and I Mm -hmm. think a big reason for that I think that you know the guilt that you touched upon um you know you know Mm -hmm. I loved hearing about your trip to Barcelona but the fact that people would be watching that and thinking oh like I'd feel guilty going without um Mm. without my kids or you know even recently a friend came to visit London and felt too guilty to come without her partner you know I think that Mm. it's it's one of those things because we're not we're not that far in history away from when our primary roles were or not not even our primary our only roles were seen as caregivers we're really not that far and you know we have our our mothers or grandmas who you know have internalized that you know we, we still very much connected to that and I think that this guilt is such a theme that that can get in the way and we don't even know we're doing it you know in my, in my book I, mm. I talk about something called only meism um and this internalized sense that like oh I can't make myself a lovely lavish meal it's it's only me you know I, I mm. and, and yet you could cook a feast for if you had friends coming over or if you're feeding a family um and I think I really I really hope that does change because the thing is I don't and the other, I guess the other term um, I use that's relevant here is the term positive selfishness. You know, I think sometimes when we advocate uh-huh. for ourselves and it's not hurting any anyone else, it is a really positive space. And if we're not suiting our needs, if we're not at least giving that to ourselves as women, as humans, sometimes, 
then we're, that's going to come out somewhere. We're going to resent the children whether we cho- if we choose to have them. Mm-hmm. We're going to resent our partners. We're going to hold it against them because we all do have, you know, we, we whether you call it a soul, whether you just, you know, call it a natural mm-hmm. human passion, curiosity. We have these things within us and, and, and sometimes the best place to exercise them is alone. And if we feel too guilty to do it, then, you know, we're not really leading a meaningful life. Yeah. For many women, the very idea of carving out time to be selfish to invest in in me is an alien idea because it's not something that they've been brought up witnessing and it's also not something that our society rewards or celebrates you know we have very fixed as you say it's the Carrie Bradshaw it's the Bridget Jones's diary you know we don't really have stories and narratives of women being by themselves that are positive you know they're either having a crisis they're running away from something um none of them are of our mothers and i wonder you know i wonder what that would look like to which i guess is what you're trying to do through your work is like bring these new stories to the front of it is possible and this is what it this is what it looks like and i think it requires vulnerability you know it's like vulnerability to put yourself first to ask for help to take the risk that this ask might not go well or this announcement that actually I'm going to spend Christmas by myself this year is going to upset others like I'm I'm curious to know about the role vulnerability plays in and learning to love being by yourself from your point of view. Hmm. Vulnerability is something that I think I've been thinking about a lot in in the past year, actually. I don't think it was you know something I necessarily had in mind when I first started thinking about alonement. So I suppose uh, the way it plays out for me is that I talk quite openly and, and possibly for, you know, in, in some people's view, quite uncomfortably about loneliness as well uh, mm. because I think that alonement and loneliness they're two they're opposite ends of the spectrum but they both exist and just because mm. you can you know what it's like to be wonderfully alone and to experience joy in that time it doesn't mean that that precludes you from experiencing loneliness and I think that I am quite open with my friends about feeling vulnerable or feeling lonely at times and when I really feel like I need social contact you know for instance um case in point um I remember just towards the end of the pandemic I started dating again um but I was finding it difficult because because we had limited social contact at that time and I was coming out of a period where I'd been alone a lot if I was cancelled on I would get mm. very upset, a last-minute cancellation or a reschedule, often it was, I'd get very upset. And I had, an, I had an evening where I had to say to my two very close friends who both happened to be married, you know, I would really like a glass of wine at this point, you know, can we can we hang out? And yeah. this, this might seem like a bit of an odd way to go, but I think that quite often with alonement we think that we have to choose one or the other we think it has to be black and white that if we love alone time that then doesn't let us be vulnerable humans who need a balance and actually alone alonement thrives you know having having time by yourself in whatever capacity it thrives on having a balance in your life and i think if you're going to search for one you also need to be hyper aware of the other because the minute you're sliding into loneliness the minute you're sliding into a feeling of isolation 
you can't cherish something that is so important to me and so vital for so many people, for everyone, I think. Um, and I think, that, so, you know, for me, that's where vulnerabilities come into it, kind of almost encouraging people to acknowledge that nuance. Um, because, you know, in, in my book, I mention, um, I, I talk about the term solitude skills as the sort of opposite to social skills, the skills that we need in order to be, you know, happy in our own company. And one of them is yeah. learning to balance solo time and sociability. And so I think that, you know, more than ever, I'm hyper tuned into my social needs to my you know my needs for deep intense conversations or you know frivolous nights out uh more than ever because i know that if i've had that if i'm very aware of my needs for that i can then come back to that time with myself uh, and you know it's it's different for everyone it looks different for everyone those social needs but i think that that's where the vulnerability is has been quite key Hey friends, I am coming from a hotel room on the day of my birthday to send you this message. Um, if you don't know me, I'm Najla. I am the strategy director at Upfront and I also happen to be one of the speakers for our upcoming conference, um, Upfront and Center. And I wanna to talk to you a little bit about why the word grace means so much to me. So when you think of grace, you might think of soft things and florals and swooshes, but when I think of grace, I think of palm trees. And palm trees make me think about my family, the women in my family who have weathered so many storms that have caused them to bend but never break. I think of that kind of strength and flexibility. And I think of how do I keep going and walk in strength and walk in grace after the world pushes you to bend? What does it look like to not break but still be a grace-filled person living in Gracefield's community. In my talk, I'll be talking a little bit about grace for your past self and grace for your future self. So I'm excited to see you both, whether it's in person, your girl will be flying to Scotland or digitally. Um, so go ahead and get your ticket and I will see you on March 11th. I love the idea of learning and building solitude skills and I think touching on loneliness you know it feels like such an important part of this conversation that we don't really hear a huge amount every now and again we see a really scary statistic about how lonely people are I know the statistics for older men in particular are are really scary you know so much loneliness and we know that loneliness leads to negative health outcomes it's like the less lonely you are the healthier you will be you know this is it's it's very linked to our to our well-being and our mental health i wonder what you would say to women all folks who are listening who are are thinking actually I do feel lonely and I am craving whether it's the night out or the glass of wine or a touch or a deeper conversation what would you say to anybody who's feeling that way I would say explore it I would say a it's normal we all feel lonely at some time you know this isn't yeah. you know it's not the sort of beautiful song all the lonely people we're not like it's not <laughs> lo- you don't just join the lonely brigade if you um 
if you if you were lonely one day that doesn't make you you're not a lonely person you're just a person feeling lonely and I think you know mm-hmm. lean into that explore that because in my experience speaking quite openly about loneliness reading this wonderful book uh, by uh, Vivek Murphy who I think was Surgeon General in the US um, at some point but he wrote a beautiful book I think it's just called Loneliness by Vivek Murphy um, and in, mm-hmm. in that he identifies different types of loneliness um, you know some being intimate loneliness not being able to have a close um, you know, conversation. You know, others being um, a sort of more community-based loneliness, where you don't feel like you know, say you're a new mother and none of your friends are mothers. You don't have people you can navigate a particular life experience, what, whatever it is, but a particular life experience with that's lonely. So I'd say, firstly, that it's normal, and you know, I don't think we can hear that enough. It is normal. Open up that discourse with your friends. It, it, it's you know that's the beautiful thing about vulnerability it empowers others to to have those conversations yeah. um and then and then and then think about it you know what kind of loneliness are you like loneliness can quite often be honestly it's an urban design problem in a lot of cases it's yeah. a it's a structural problem it's just there are ways around it but i think if you deny it and you shroud it in guilt and shame and make yourself feel isolated about it it's just not really that that's never going to help whereas i think loneliness can be an opportunity uh, for greater connection um, and also greater alone time on, on top of that mm-hmm. it's it, I interviewed um, a Scottish minister for I think, I think Scottish minister for loneliness a, a, a few couple of years back and she was telling me that actually one loneliness initiative they brought in for all the Scottish men who identified as lonely some of the time at least was um, this thing called? Um, I think it was like communal sheds or the sheds project. Basically, yeah, they were, they were these. Yeah, they work with tools together. Amazing, yeah. And they'll go together, and they might not even interact with each other, but they're doing so. They're in the flow, doing something that they love. Like you know, and, okay, there's a, there is a communal aspect, but there's also a sort of alonement in that, and I think that's beautiful. So you know, I don't think the cure for loneliness is always being around other people necessarily. It it, it can sometimes be just communing with ourselves, but it's really just finding out what that is first. Yeah, I do know of that project and I love it. It's a it's a beautiful example, I think, of using your physical environment to enable different types of connection and physical uh, connection, you know, whether that's breaking bread together, carving wood together. Uh, it's a really nice project. I mean, what do you, what would you, you know, if you could wave a magic wand and have everybody do this, take a small step towards bettering their relationship with being alone, what would that be? So I'm biased in how I began my alonement journey yeah. because I, I began it journaling. And journaling for me is, it's just the thing that wrenches me back to myself. I think it's really, really important. Um, and so that, mm. that I think would be the thing that I'd recommend. Um, but you know, I think it's, I know it's not for everyone, um, I know that we have all sorts of, you know, to have all sorts of uh, boundaries and ambitions around writing. So, you know, it can be something like, you know, uh, meditation, I think is also really, really important. Um, being able, Just being able to sit with your thoughts and know that that's not a scary space. There are all sorts of apps mm-hmm. like Calm or Headspace and um, where you can do that. Um, or, you know, something like breathwork is something I've really been getting into recently, um, which is linked to meditation, but I think you can do sort of one-off workshops which teach you techniques that allow you to do it in day-to-day. Anything like that that allows you to build that foundation of spending 10 minutes in your own head, I think that's what you've got to begin with to destigmatize 
being alone just as a state um, and then you can go on from there yes you're training yourself to be at peace with yourself essentially that's what those things are and I journaling's a funny one because I my friend said it she made me laugh and she said you know you the world thinks you journal all the time it's like in every in every aspect I am a person who journals but yet for all these years I've just never been able to to crack the habit until probably I think two months ago um, I had a couple of friends come and visit and they both journal every single day religiously and uh, Sarah made me laugh she was like even if I'm drunk I'll still put pen to paper even if it's just a couple of words and I thought this was hilarious and they were like you know we just get so so much out of it and so I've I've started and the way I've held myself accountable is with the kind of James Clear method of putting the cross in the box each day that I do it. And when I look at it now, I've I missed like two weeks, but I keep going back to it every day. So and I am I am really enjoying it. Like the rumors are true. It just it does work and it's great. But I think it really does require you to quieten your inner critic. I think that's what people find so difficult about it is they judge them, they, they are judging what they're writing so harshly that it becomes, it becomes so uncomfortable. So I really hope that folks listening, if you are a journaler already, keep going. And if you've never tried it, give it a try because it really does, it really does work. So the last question I'd love to ask you, which we ask all our guests on Upfront Moment is around our mission at Upfront. So we are on a mission to support 1 million women and non-binary folks with their confidence. And we very much focused on changing confidence, not women. So we want to change how society thinks about, understands, builds, creates, nourishes confidence in ourselves and each other. And I'm curious, kind of from your vantage point, how the world would feel different when we achieve that goal. I, so one of my favourite books, um, and you know the reason I love uh, your concept is, and your mission is, um, one of my favourite books is Gloria Steinem's Revolution from Within, which is a book uh-huh. which you know basically it says that you need to build on self-esteem. Self-esteem is at the core of all social change, all external social change. You know, it it comes from you, and it's so you know even at the beginning of the book. You know, she goes through so many examples in history where actually terrible things have been done for very insecure people. We often think that you know mm. evil, evil people are the root of evil, but actually yeah. it can so often be insecurity. So, I think that you know, I think that actually more confident people in the world would lead to a you know a happier, more respectful world in a really strange way. It would lead, mm. you know, I you know, it's it's not. Confidence isn't arrogance. Um, confident friends, for instance, are the ones that empower you. Confident business mm-hmm. contacts are the ones who will, you know, loop you in with with other pe- other like-minded people. You know, if you do anything in your life with confidence, then you come at it as your first, most authentic self. In a world where people were doing that and not doing all the things that we, you know, all the sort of you know quote unquote evil actions that we end up doing just by virtue of not being confident enough, then I I think it could really be a beautiful place. Yeah, I love that so much. Like often in in the bond, I'll talk about, you know, just imagine for a moment the number of people in your life that are sitting on a really solid idea that would make something somewhere better, whether that would, the school canteen, 
to local hospitals, education, mental health, everything you can think of. And those ideas never, ever see the light of day because the woman who has that idea has been taught very intentionally to believe that her ideas aren't good enough. I I haven't heard of that particular narrative from Gloria Steinem, so I am definitely going to look that up because that sounds very... Well, it's what I believe very deeply, so I'm excited to have a new a new book to read and explore. But thank you so much for being here with me, Francesca. I think your work is so important, and I know you have a whole bunch of resources online which we'll link to in the show notes, including your new your substack around the shoulds in this conversation. So I encourage listeners to follow Francesca, check out her podcast and learn to enjoy being alone thank you so much um and i wanted to make one last point actually on this um because i think that confidence is something we often think like we you know we'll look at i don't know we'll look at you know uh naughty's music or this or that and it's something we think oh i should do this but i think actually coming from our conversation is something that it, it spurs on curiosity, it spurs on the things, you know, all the, as you say, mm-hmm. all the projects, all the jobs that women could do and can't. So, you know, on to, you know, I write this, I've been writing this substack um, called The Shoulds around that idea of the things we tell ourselves, the narratives, the inner rules. But actually, I think that, you know, we could turn I should be more confident into I could be more confident, you know, just through, by virtue of having conversations like these. And I think that, Actually, going forward with that, you know, think about all the possibilities we could have. This isn't some. This isn't another stick to beat ourselves with. This is this mission that you mm-hmm. have to empower women to what you know what they could be with that confidence. I think is just really incredible. Oh, thank you so much. And I think it's about realizing that you already you had the confidence to begin with, and somebody took it. You know, and that somebody might be a particular person or the the larger force of the patriarchy, the trick however we want to describe it but you you had it and you can get it back you know I think as you say it's too often framed as oh another thing women are shit at (laughs) you know and it's um another thing that's that's women's fault and you of course have lots of people out there making money out of that vulnerability and yeah I think it's it's really important to to focus on what you already have and like accessing the agency and the power that's there because the it's that kind of famous idea of like we all have far far more power than we realize and amazing things happen when we access that power and put it to work oh i just love that oh thank you so much lauren (laughs) this has been such a great conversation thank you so much all right lots of love see you later Being alone and owning it. This week, your upfront challenge is to build your solitude skills. Think about what does your positive selfishness look like? What comes up for you if you imagine going for dinner on your own? Going for a trip on your own? Your challenge this week is to think about how you might experience something you would usually always do with other people on your own. And I would love for you to write to me and tell me about it. Lauren at weareupfront.com. You can message me on Instagram or even better, tell me in person on March the 11th at Upfront and Centre. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of week. Bye.
Hi friends, have you got your ticket for Upfront and Centre yet? We are coming together on March the 11th in Scotland to celebrate all things grace. Our theme is activating grace in a world on fire. We are hosting a full day and night event with 300 of you in person. You can join us in person or digitally, conference in the day and a party at night. Upfront and Centre is your opportunity to meet like-minded people, to activate your confidence in a world that doesn't often prioritise your body, your rights and your story. We'll be gathering in one of the most unique and historical areas of Scotland, Bad in the Barras in Glasgow, a place full of art, colour and laughter and characters you will not find anywhere else. Go to upfrontandcentre.com to get your ticket and I'll see you on the dance floor. Bye.